This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. Remember the codes, we get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition episode of Cosmic Potato. I am not Sean Ray. I am Scott Madison. I'm stepping in uh, with special permission from Sean. I really wanted to talk about the CW uh, Elseworlds crossover that aired recently and <laughs> to the point where I uh, sent out a tweet asking all of my podcasting uh, Twitter followers and follows Hey, if there's anyone doing a show, I'm a freelance podcaster and I need to talk about Elseworlds. <laughs> so Sean sends me a reply saying that I could put together a panel and do one for Cosmic Potato if I wanted to. So that's what I did. Today we have two guests who, believe it or not, they've never been on a show together before. So if nothing else, I've accomplished that. We have from the Simply Syndicated Podcasting Network uh, the network of such shows as Simply Syndicated Movie Quiz, Greatest Show in the Galaxy, um, Remote Patrol. This. Oh, Remote Patrol. Oh boy, yeah. That, that's a that's a nice one. That's a Quantum Leap podcast. <laughs> Richard has to deal with a horrible co-host on that one, but otherwise, it's a nice show. Richard Smith is here with us today. How you doing, sir? I'm good, thank you. I've just remembered to ask: uh, Am I allowed to swear on this show? I think Sean likes to keep this uh, to PG-13, okay. but okay. I get the feeling he'll probably try to listen through, and if he needs to censor something, he will. Okay. But we'll we'll, we'll just try to, try to keep it to shoot and flipping. I will do my very best. All right. <laughs> and uh, joining us on, on the other side of the microphone, we have uh, a host of the Quantum Leap podcast, and many other things. I'm not going to try to do your bibliography. It's going to be better <laughs> coming out of your mouth. Uh, we have one of one of my favorite occasional Cosmic Potato guests. I love listening to him. We have Mr. Christopher DeFilippis. How are you? I'm great. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not John Iron, so the, the listeners are just going to have to contend with that. <laughs> well, You're not Sean Ray. I'm not John Irons. That, that, that's correct. But at some point, across the virtual table from us, we will hopefully have John Irons joining us, um, uh, joining us late later. All right, I just inferred something from something you said. Are you and Richard both hosts of the Simply Syndicated Quantum Leap podcast? Yes, we are. <laughs> All right, so now you are now the fourth and fifth fellow Quantum Leap podcast hosts I've ever podcasted with. Only I've never done a Quantum Leap show with you guys. So. <laughs> It's just expanding my resume even more. Well, we will uh, we will we will have you on as a guest on one of our episodes uh, soon. Yeah, maybe we'll do a crossover. That'll be great. 
There you are. We we have we have a ways to go before we catch up with uh, where you guys are in the series. We just started season two. Of oh, okay. Well, we've been lagging a little bit entirely due to me and my crazy schedule. So you might catch up sooner than you think. But we just released a show about Shock Theater, which is the season three finale. Oh, ex- I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. So you can all listen at quantumleappodcast.com. And there you go. There's my plug. Outstanding. All right. Um, so we are going to jump into this Elseworlds crossover, the uh, 2018 CW DC crossover event. They're downsizing it this time. Uh, originally, we had a two-episode story across Arrow and Flash. This was, what, four or five years ago, where they crossed over those two shows because that's all they had. And every year it's gotten bigger. Uh, to the point where last year it was a four-night event uh, across Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, This time they cut out Legends of Tomorrow entirely and just kept it to Arrow, Flash, Supergirl. Three episodes, three nights in a row. And they stole the title from the DC Comics imprint where they get to tell basically whatever story they want. They can change the circumstances, set it in a different place, different time, alter the characters, and it's not going to have any effect because it takes place outside of normal continuity. So why they stole that title and put it on this crossover, which absolutely takes place in continuity, I I couldn't say. But it happened. And before we get into any of the details, uh, let's just get some general thoughts. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um uh, what was good? What was bad? Uh, are you hoping they do? Are you hoping they continue to do annual crossovers in the future? Uh, let's start with Richard. I enjoyed this one. This was a good one, and I'm I'm kind of dismayed a little bit. While we've been talking, I have looked up an article that was sort of every crossover, uh, every one of these crossovers ranked, and I don't remember a single other one of them, and I must have seen them all. Because I know I've seen all of the Flash. So I must have seen all of these. Not a single bit of any of them remains in my brain. Other than... I think the key to these crossovers, and what this one did better than most of the others, is it's about what you don't put in. You know, like you said, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And this one didn't make me watch an episode of Legends of Tomorrow, which I am just eternally grateful for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that was that was something that I enjoyed the least about the last one. Uh, it did, however, make me watch an episode of Supergirl, which of all the ones it's, I've been forced to watch, this was one of the least bad ones. It was just a continuation of the... Uh, I think this one more than the others was just like a three-part episode. You know, yeah, It wasn't even really like an episode of Supergirl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if you were a Supergirl fan, you would have been really miffed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To to be in an episode of Supergirl, you think that there would be more Supergirl, but right. uh, she seemed a bit underused. To be honest, she seemed a bit underused in the entire trilogy. Um, but certainly, if you're going to focus on her, then her own episode would be the one to do it. And they they didn't seem to put a lot of focus on her. Um, but I I do agree with you, Richard, that uh, this felt like. One story told in three parts rather than an episode of Arrow, an episode of Flash, yeah. an episode of Supergirl. 
Uh, they tr- they've tried to do that. I think in the invasion crossover, they definitely gave each character more focus in their own individual episode. But this one, they seem to tear down the barriers between the, se- the series mm-hmm. and just tell one three part story, which I think is a good idea. I wonder if they did that in the invasion crossover because it coincided with Arrow's 100th episode. So they needed to make it a dual event, at least for Arrow. And that's why you had a separation and why I think Ray came back for that one in the Arrowverse. And um, I, I just remember them sort of hyping that aspect of it. Whereas this one is what you think it should be. Like you guys said, it's just one continuous episode it's a, it's it's really a, a three-part show it doesn't matter what quote show you're watching mm-hmm. it's all the same story so right. yeah um i uh i i agree with your take on the uh arrows 100th episode um that it it seemed less a part of the invasion crossover and more just a standalone episode of arrow that had a few a few lines connecting it to to the other story they're trying to tell that one stood out more than it should in a crossover story because it was the 100th episode. I, I wish that they had shifted the schedule and let that be its own thing. Well, I wonder if there are diehard arrow fans anymore that felt slighted by that or that felt slighted by this, because this really to me seemed like a giant flash episode. Yeah. Maybe that's that, why that, I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and Oliver Queen uh, and Green Arrow did have you know plenty to do in in this, but yeah, if if you had to pick one person that got the most uh, focus, I would probably say it was the Flash. If uh, if if for no other reason, uh, the the crossover started with an episode of the Flash, which had his normal. Uh, his, his normal uh, opening sequence and his narration. Uh, My name is Barry Allen. I'm the fastest man alive, et cetera, et cetera. Everything they've been saying every episode so far this season. And then they have the crossover story. Now move into the second episode and it's still Barry Allen, but now he's doing Oliver Queen's voiceover. Yeah. I wondered why they didn't have Stephen Amell as Barry right at, at the beginning because it seems like if you were going to go into this alternate reality, but maybe, okay, this geek nitpick, but did the opening begin before um, Joe villain of the week got that weird book and decided to change reality? And the only thing he could think to do was swap Barry and Ollie. I, I didn't understand um, that, but did it, was there a tease where he did that first before no. that, okay, so maybe that's why if you're going strict continuity wise, you were seeing that intro before the changes took place. Right. It it was it was the opening sequence with the narration, and okay. then I think what came right after that was the the scene that we've seen a, a few times before. It's how they ended all three of these shows the previous week, which is um the shot of Earth 90, explosions, fire, dead superheroes lying all over the place, and uh, a different Flash being confronted by the Monitor with the book, and then Flash runs away. You get the title card, followed by the Elseworlds title card. Right. And but then that, you was, open that up... was the Jay Garrick Flash. That was also Barry Allen in this one. That was the Flash from the 90s, right? Yes, what, yeah. I, what I call my Flash. Uh. <laughs> 
because I watched that 1990 Flash TV series starring John Wesley Shipp when it first aired. I was in the living room every week watching that show. Yeah, me too. And I, I still have the full series on DVD uh, out in in the other room. Never seen it. Never seen. I recommend it. It's it's definitely a product a product of its time. It's from the 90s, no doubt about it. But but it's fun. It's a fun show. I got to tell you, I really enjoy John Wesley Ship whenever he makes an appearance in whatever incarnation of reality he's coming from. So mm-hmm. he, he's a, he's an asset to the the CW. I guess the Flowerverse is what we're calling it now, right? So I've, more more of him yeah. is always good. Yeah, I, I agree absolutely. And once I saw that he was cast to play Henry Allen on this Flash, I've been waiting. So I've been waiting almost five years now for him to play the flash from the 1990s TV series, because I knew they would have to do it at some point, especially when they introduced the concept of a multiverse and it took this long to make it happen. I was so excited. So when we talk about his role in this crossover, you'll get to hear about my disappointment as well. (laughs) Um, But I, I was very glad to see him. And he was the first thing we saw in this crossover. After that, we see Dr. Destiny, and he's given the book, and I think then we open up on uh, Barry's apartment with Oliver waking up, uh, and that's when we start to see that something has gone wrong. And uh, Chris, you hit on a on a good point that I was definitely stuck on. The first thing that the Monitor says to John Deegan, also known in the comics as Doctor Destiny, the first thing he says to him is, "Think big." And the biggest he can think of is to body swap Flash and Green Arrow. Yeah, I, I'm trying to – this is the main problem. I mean I guess if we're, you're bringing up the point that, that really is my main sticking point of this. Using the Elseworlds moniker on this was was a bit of a misnomer because Elseworlds, like you said, uh, Scott, is that you get to tell stories – like a what if story that is completely outside of continuity. This was completely in continuity and it just seemed like they forced the else world's title on it so that it would draw in some more interest from comic geeks like me. When I was collecting comic books back in the two thousands, the early, the early aughts, I guess um, I used to buy a lot of else world stuff because I just found them so intriguing, mm-hmm. but this seemed like a weak attempt to sort of do that, but not do it. And it was like trying to have its cake and eat it too. I'm sorry I use that expression, but it was really – it wasn't an Elseworlds. No, because, I, I, I wouldn't call it an Elseworlds, yeah. no. So uh, anyway, I, that, that's that's my main gripe with it. Um, and the fact that this guy is given a book to rewrite reality, what does he even know about Barry and Ollie? And if who's Barry still has a secret identity, I guess the book shows him all and can tell him all. But what is he trying to accomplish by swapping them? The, the what, trouble what, is, what's, what's the end game? The, the trouble is, is that it's a family show and they can't show what every man alive ever throughout all of history would do when given a thing that lets him rewrite reality and told think big. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Because that's that's number one. Then we go on to who can we? Oh, I'll make the the flash be the arrow and all of that. But you know, it's just they can't show that. That's well. I think step one, if I had that book, is I'd give myself a better haircut. 
That was my other thing I was going to say. You'd think he'd make himself be able to grow a beard properly. That would be high up the list and of I priorities. Think, I think I would be the one waking up in Candace Patton's bed. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. There's, yeah, uh, there's a lot to do rewriting a reality. <laughs> so now it sounds like we're rewriting the, the show. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, so uh, let's... I'm I'm going to take a take a hard pivot and move on to a different topic because uh, I, I I want to keep a, a a little bit of structure. Um, one of the things that I wasn't sure that I loved in the in this entire crossover was the pacing of it. Was how quickly we were moving through the the story that they were laying out, um, and whether or not things made sense. What did they take enough time to explain things, or were we just glossing over a whole lot of details um did, did it seem to either of you guys that they were going faster than they needed to like they were trying to rush through it um or did did they spend too long on things that they didn't have to uh, what do you guys think uh this time let's start with chris i think the pacing for the first two episodes was good i i, I liked the flash episode where they're trying to figure out uh, what's going on and and who's doing what? And I thought even the character moments in that worked very well, um, especially between Barry and Iris and Barry convincing her that he was actually Barry and not Ollie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times in The Flash, that's perfunctory stuff like you just have to go through because it's the CW. You need the relationship drama and it's just uh, de rigueur for for the form. But. I, I I found it worked much better in this context because it was Barry reaching out and Iris, you know, making that connection. And it's it's nice to see that maybe it's because it was switched up that it kind of meant something this time. It wasn't just going through those motions. I even liked Harrison in this one. What's he? He's Sherlock Wells this season. <laughs> I mean, yeah, poor <laughs> this season. He's it, Sherlock. Yeah. And Sh- the thing Sherlock. is, Tom Cavanaugh is always delightful and I never mind his takes and the fact that they're just letting him go completely gonzo these last two seasons because they, they frankly, they, they know they have an asset with him, but I don't think they know what to do with him anymore. So he's just become like comic relief. You know, in an episode where freaking um, Ralph is more serious than Wells, yeah. that they really yeah. don't know what to do with Wells. You know, mm-hmm. but it still it still works, and I think it's funny, and I like his interactions with Cisco and everything. So, so the Flash thing it, that was one of the stronger episodes of the season. Then we get to Arrow, and every reason I have stopped watching Arrow is there front and center. Last time I saw Ollie and Felicity, they just glommed on to Barry and Iris's wedding. They were the happiest people in the world. Mm-hmm. Now I'm seeing Barry and uh, Ollie and Felicity, and they're strained again. Because the writers don't know what to do on that show. It's yep. always Ali is dark and he's lying to everybody or he, he – whatever. Darkness, darkness, darkness. Strain, strain, strain. And God love her, but Emily Rickard Bet, – Bet Rickards? Uh, am I saying that right? Emily Bet Rickards. Yeah. I mean I love her as Felicity when she's being Felicity. I can't stand her when she's being weepy or emotional Felicity. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she gets that thankless task every time I see her. Yeah, she she started out as a strong character. I mean, she was she quirky and she got nervous often. And anytime she caught herself staring at Oliver without his shirt on, that was you know adorable and funny. 
but then it it stopped being just you know objectifying Oliver anytime she did that and it became well now we're in love with each other so it's different and that's when it started to get really tired and they slowly over the course of seasons have taken away her agency and her independence and she has just become well that's Oliver's wife her only goal on the show is centered around save my husband, save my husband. It's never save the city. It's never be the hero, step up and do what no one else can do. No, it's always focused on Oliver. But one of the things that I noticed about this is that, again, it seems to me most of Arrow's, quote, drama relies on needless secrets. And Mm -hmm. the fact that the core cast of Arrow didn't want to tell Felicity what was going on, because why? Because it's just some trumped up drama so that there's some kind of weak ass reveal about five minutes later. Yeah. So the, so there has to be a conflict and the conflict happens immediately. So why do you have to start that in the first place? Anytime, anytime I hear a character on Arrow say from now on, there's going to be no more secrets between us. And a minimum of four people are going to say that every season. Minimum. <laughs> and every time they say that, you can take it as a guarantee there's going to be secrets. It's an announcement. Anytime they say no more secrets between us, Mm. it's as good as saying there will absolutely be secrets between us within the next eight episodes. And I think that's why I lost interest in Arrow somewhere in the middle or towards the end of the third season. Absolutely um, liked, absolutely liked the first season, absolutely loved the second season. Mm -hmm. And then it just got repetitive and wearying. And I just, I, I just fell off. It's like I was just watching it to watch it. I said to myself, if this wasn't a DC show, would I still be watching it? And the answer was no. Yeah. So so I stopped. And the thing is, I love Stephen Amell. I love the idea. And when they do it right, they can really do it right. The second they brought John Barrowman back in, I was like, yes, because I love John Barrowman. So it's like they gave you Malcolm Merlin, and that was a nice nod. But but again, it was it was just sort of a throwaway moment. If you're going to bring Browman back, why not make him a main part of this thing? It's an Elseworlds, you know? Maybe Merlin didn't die in this or whatever, wherever he is now. I don't know what he's doing, but bring Tommy back. Do something. And if if you're going to bring Merlin back as a result of uh, Scarecrow Fear Toxin, like you did in this crossover, at least make him scary. Mm. But to see both of those heroes, Green Arrow and The Flash, affected by – it's bona fide – Batman villain, Scarecrow, Fear Toxin. Neither one of them looked even worried. Is this not the problem with John Barrowman? Right. (laughs) I know he's very popular. And I I don't really have a problem with him. But he plays John Barrowman in everything. And (laughs) the trouble is, is that John Barrowman is clearly a lovely guy. And not in the least scary, ever. He can't act it. And make you think, oh, scary John Barrowman. It's, oh, look at him. He's being scary. He's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, what What can you do to him to make you think, oh, it's him? No, nothing. Nothing. I, Bring back Captain Jack. That's all I care about. Yeah. Well, that was that was John Barrowman in a long coat. Yeah, you I know. know. <laughs> and then I, I, I fell in love with him, all right? <laughs> Um, I I want to find a way to disagree with Richard on this point, but I can't. Uh, it's hard to make John Barrowman scary. That, that's that's a fact. Um, 
if they wanted to use uh, fear toxin and make it effective, then it should have been. I, I can I can get behind reverse flash uh, being one of the figments of the fear toxin because that character played by Tom Cavanaugh can be very menacing, very scary. And also murdered Barry's mother. Yes. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a legitimate sort of fear for Barry to be experiencing. Mm-hmm. And on, on the other side of it, uh, we've managed to do it a couple times before and we haven't seen him since last season. You could bring back uh, Deathstroke played by Manu Bennett as Slade Wilson yeah, they're they're more or less friends these days, but with the fear toxin, he he could come back and be scary. There are other villains they could have brought back instead of Merlin. Uh, find a scarier villain, and I still don't know why they were fighting at at cross characters. I don't know why Barry was fighting uh, uh, Merlin just because he happened to be the Green Arrow in this rewritten reality. Well, they should be fighting the person that scares them, not the person that scares who the rest of the world thinks they are. You, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how does Barry even know who Malcolm Rowan is? That's a, you know. that's a good – I don't think they've ever met. Yeah. Yeah, right. So – Anyway, and he's like, "Yeah, so I'm Merlin." And it's just like, "Oh, okay. I guess you know who he is." All right. Well, yeah, and fine. you know, and you and you know what? He wasn't scary. <laughs> we we've seen fear toxin work in the movies. People freak out. They soil themselves with panic. Yeah, just screaming their faces off. And these guys are like, "Oh, uh, are we gonna fight now?" Okay, we're gonna <laughs> fight now. And that's all that was. And this in the middle of a large scale battle in Arkham Asylum. Uh, which, yeah, it had a, a nice uh, cavalcade of Easter eggs inside it, including the names on all the cell doors of people that we were absolutely not going to see in this episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we get Nora Freeze using Mr. Freeze's cold gun, and we get Fear Toxin. And that's about all that we got from Batman's Rose Gallery. Um did we get Batwoman? Well, we'll discuss that in a minute. But first, um, before we get to that, I wanted to touch on another point that I don't think we've really gotten into much yet. I heard a lot of people, when I did a search for uh, hashtag Elseworlds, I think the day after uh, the the whole trilogy finished, one of the most prevalent uh, arguments I was reading was so many fans of Arrow claiming that Oliver was just getting absolutely bashed throughout this entire trilogy. Uh, other characters making fun of him, uh, complaining that he's too dark. Uh, they're you know, teasing him and ribbing him and doing bad impressions of him. Uh, a lot of viewers thought that the character of Oliver Queen and Green Arrow, and by extension, his entire series was being disrespected by the crossover, specifically by the Flash. Some people even going so far as to say Flash, and they were calling out the writers uh, on Twitter, saying, Flash writers, you should show more respect to the show that gave you your start. And that, I, that made no sense to me whatsoever. I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. 
I I don't I didn't feel like he was being unnecessarily harsh on. I didn't pick it, up on that either. No. But I you know, but the thing is though, I'm not a die hard arrow fan anymore. So if I had more invested in that universe and in, in that series, then yeah, maybe. I but I, I, I think it's because the fans of that series know that that their thing isn't as good as the flash and they're just really paranoid about that send emails <laughs> to uh, smatterson at gmail.com <laughs> and that's fine because uh you you left out a part of my address so i'm not going to get that hate mail anyway <laughs> but um, I, I can see that i mean a lot of fandom these days has become about sour grapes anyway so yeah. it's like how dare you not instead of what did i enjoy it's like how did you screw it up i mean just be a star trek fan these days and you can't uh, get away from it. So it's it's not surprising to me that there was a vocal contingent of fans that said that. And now that you put it out there, I mean, sure, I guess, but I don't see it as malicious. I just see it as getting traction off of the differing tones of the show. And yeah. the fact that you have Ollie all of a sudden inhabiting Barry in Central City, it's it's almost like you can't not talk about that that contradiction between the two even though every time they get together that is the second topic of conversation after how do we defeat the baddie of the week or the baddie of this crossover or whatever it's always like my darkness i I feel darkness every time i draw my bow i feel joy every time i run it makes me run faster (laughs) oh well we'll agree to disagree i'll see i'll see you in a year right (laughs) (laughs) and they're they're even including nods to that in the crossover itself they're talking about how this is going to be an annual thing yeah yeah even outside of the crossover the next night they had uh the mid-season finale of uh actually no it was during the course of this uh trilogy i think it was either the first or second night of it they aired the mid-season finale of legends of tomorrow at one point, all the legends come back onto their ship and they walk into the main room and the computer is giving them uh, a status update. It says, you have missed multiple calls from uh, Barry Allen and Oliver Queen. And Ray Palmer just kind of takes a moment, does a little take to everyone else and says, sounds like the annual crossover. Mm. And then they just move on. Well, hasn't Legends like staked its claim in broad comedy now? And... Self-awareness. Yes. Yes, they have. Um, This season, they are, in my opinion, they're reining it in a little bit. The the comedy is not as broad as it was before. There's definitely, you know, multiple chuckles in every episode, but they've got a better handle on it now. Um, They they know where to find the funny without being too overly goofy. Uh, And the addition of uh, Matthew Ryan as John Constantine... Uh, adds just enough of the of the the gallows humor, as well as uh, a touch of genuine drama. That it helps to balance it out. Uh, of the four seasons that uh, Legends has done, uh, the first one I, they knew what they wanted to be in the first season. Once that was over, they had no clue. They did not plan beyond the first season. So this is the first time since then that they seem to have an idea of who they want to be and where they're going, and it shows. All right, all right. Maybe I'll give it another chance, or probably not. <laughs> I, 
give this current season uh, a shot. Just kind of roll with the stuff that has been introduced in the past couple of seasons that is unfamiliar to you. But give it a whirl and see what Constantine does for you. Right. Well, the thing is, I always knew that Legends was going for fun. But it once again became an hour of TV where I said, am I really getting anything out of this? And aside from an occasional chuckle from from Rory, I I, I just wasn't. And I really love, again, a, another show where I, I really genuinely like all the characters. I like Ray. I like Sarah. I like um, I, 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 even the new guy that they brought in who turns into metal. I forget what his name is. But um, it's just lost in – bad storytelling mm-hmm. and i just I, I i can't get behind it i'm I, I see though that they got rid of um fire firestorm yes yeah because he was so ridiculously overpowered and they never did anything with him mm-hmm. so maybe i don't know i don't know uh, I, I i digress i apologize and they, they had uh, they had kid flash on for about five minutes uh, but then uh, Kenyon lonsdale decided that uh he he wanted to move on to other things. Uh, he didn't want to continue playing this character all the time. So what was going to be a, a speedster as a regular character became he, – and he now he's gone completely. <laughs> okay. But they, that allowed them to bring um, Sarah's girlfriend and Constantine into the show as main cast members. So I think that it was a net gain for everyone, uh, which is why it's important that we – Remember that we are not talking about Legends of Tomorrow. We're talking about Elseworlds today. <laughs> um, and to, to wrap up the topic of Oliver bashing, I don't think that they were doing it to be mean. I think that that's how Barry and Oliver interact is Barry will give Oliver a little bit of grief for being so grim. And then they continue to work really well together as they always have. They could have done a little bit more with Oliver pointing out the fact, you know, I've lightened up considerably over the past three years. Has anyone noticed? And then they could have said, no, because we only see you once a year. Oh, okay. And then that would have been fine. That would have been a nice hand wave and then you can just get past it. You know, I, I think, though, one of the things that the Elseworlds crossover suffered from is if you were going to be creating an entirely new reality where Barry is Oliver and Oliver is Barry – they wouldn't know the difference. And if you could just have Steven playing it to the hilt as cheery Barry Allen and have Grant playing it to the hilt as moody, broody Ollie, and then having some third character come and tell them, no, you're, you're supposed to be you and you're supposed to be you. Kind of like Guinan in uh, what was it? There you go. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that might have been a little bit more effective to get them to completely break character so that, it would have been a little bit more effective instead of like, why would Ollie know that he's still Ollie? If this reality has been rewritten, right? Why? And, and the same with you know? Barry. Why would I yeah, know? Right. Him, no. Why would, why would they? Yeah. How, how, how is it that they re- remain cognizant of the world that was before it when seems, nobody else does? It seems a big oversight on the part of Dr. Destiny. Okay. I'm going to make green arrow, the flash and the flash green arrow. I'm, but he forgot to make them know that right. they were Flash and Green Arrow. It, it, it's the writers needing it to be this way because this is the story they wanted to write. And mm-hmm. they did a poor job of explaining why it is that way. Right. Um, and, and the day that Grant Gustin can beat up uh, Diggle, 
is the day you know you're in some skewed version of reality. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, though I will give him some credit. He he did a fine job of delivering the line, you have failed this city. Uh, that line was wasted on a situation that did not call for that line being spoken, but they needed to have him say it. Is Ollie still saying that? Um, no. I, I would say maybe once a season, but that that phrase has definitely fallen out of use. Um, but if you're going to have Grant Gustin playing Green Arrow, then you need to resurrect that line and have him say it. But uh, Amazo didn't fail the city, so... Gotcha. It just didn't make sense for him to say it. Um, Amazo, another DC character that uh, they brought on for one appearance, and he was incredibly easily defeated. He should By, not be that easy. Uh, that to he was too easy. To be, they had to bring in all three heroes to defeat him, plus vibe, right? Yeah, but it it, it took like what five minutes and and a, a bare minimum of property damage. This I, is, I have no grounding in Amazo. I have no idea what, who the character is or what, what he's capable of. So mm-hmm. to me, uh, it seemed like why do you need uh, – Kara could have just defeated him as far as I was concerned. But Kara can defeat anyone. It's ridiculous that she ever needs to team up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let alone team up with uh, uh, the only other Kryptonian on her planet who they made a very, very clear point in I want to say season two um, – or maybe even season one of Supergirl, that uh, she is stronger than Superman. Well, he says it. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and and he said it so loud and clear on that show. No, I was trying my hardest. You're stronger than me. Hey, viewers, she's stronger than me. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going over there, Richard? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. <laughs> I feel like I'm filibustering. I'm sorry. Guys. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, I felt the same way. Um. All right, so who else did we see in this crossover that uh, some people wish they'd seen more of? Personally, I was sorely disappointed in the amount of 90s Flash we got. Considering how long they had been leaking uh, uh, promotional shots and photos of him and indicated, look, he, he, here he is in the, in the Flash suit that you remember from the 90s. Here he is standing next to uh, Barry and Oliver and Kara. He's part of their team. Uh, this is going to be some good fighting. We got two Flashes. It's going to be a great time. And I'd say, what, less than, than two minutes of com- of total screen time for 90s Flash before he literally vanishes in a puff of smoke? Now, was that supposed to be the Barry Allen 90s Flash John Wesley ship universe? I, they, I thought so. That that was the impression I got. Yeah, I think that they were trying to give give that uh, give that idea, but they didn't come right out and say it. Um, you would have to – I'm not sure exactly what you would have to do to confirm, yes, this is the one from the, from the 90s TV series, other than bring back some people from the old show along with him to really cement it as here's the original cast from the nineties. Um, but they said that it was on earth 90, just like the year that his show was made and it's the exact same suit. So we have, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's a clever way to do it without maybe getting in trouble with like rights issues. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they don't have the the right to use that incarnation of the character. Maybe it's tied up. Have they not had him in there before? Because I not... really feel like they've had him in. There. Did they have the British woman in there at some yes. point? But yes. she was being a different person or something. Uh, it, the, her character name was the same. It was still right. Amanda. It was Amanda Pays playing a Doctor Tina McGee, like she did on the on the '90s show. Um, but they did not indicate that she had like, you know, crossed over from a different universe. Right. Okay. Or that she had ever worked with a different flash. Um, now John Wesley ship has played uh, Henry Allen. He's played Jay Garrick, but he's never played this Barry Allen before. We saw one glimpse of him from the nineties show. It was an actual shot from an old episode. And we saw that floating past Barry as he was, running i think between earth one and earth two right when he first tapped into the speed force and the dimension hopping yeah the first time yeah, the first time yeah. he went to a different earth we saw yeah. various shots of like uh 90s flash and a sneak preview of uh john diggle jr as connor hawk green arrow uh, i think we got a, a glimpse of a legion ring things like that and also caitlin is killer frost Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's the first time we saw that. Uh, the Flash Museum as well, I think. So many little tastes of, of what was to come that they that they teased us with. They were good at that back then. These days, these things seem to come and go so quickly. Hey, well, we're teasing you with 90s Flash. 90s Flash is going to be in the crossover, technically, and then he's going to be gone. One episode, to- and that was it. Do you mind if I bring something up that's sort of related to this? Yes, I do. You Wait, do no, mind, no, then I, I won't do it. <laughs> no, okay. Well, it's, it's sort of skipping ahead a little bit to the Supergirl episode. Uh-huh. But yeah, go for the it. second they go to the Kent Farm, they play the theme to Smallville. And I'm thinking, does this take, does, is Kara's Earth the Smallville Earth with Tom Welling? It's the same set. They play the theme song to Smallville. Having maybe been the only schmuck to sit through the entirety of the Smallville series, well, I, so did I. Yeah, I, I I always liked Clark on that show. I, I didn't like a lot of the surrounding characters, but I, I really did like Tom Welling as Clark. Mm-hmm. And when they brought it back with, with the set and the song, and then you see what's like Taylor? Is it who who plays who plays Clark now? Tyler Hecklin. Tyler and I I love him as Clark. I think he's maybe one of the best screen supermen I've I've seen. No, I'm a big but, fan, yeah. But but to, to bring was that just like a hey like a wink to the audience or was that implying that Carl lives on that same earth? And I, if so, then where is that green arrow and where is you know, well, well, Allison Mack is in jail, but where is, you know, right. <laughs> Chloe? And, <laughs> and, and and why is Lois look so different? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, and, and can somebody please get Lois a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so definitely just a nod. Um, there is, th- there are too many indications that, uh, that Supergirl cannot be taking place on the Smallville uh, Earth. Uh, if for no other reason than every Superman uh, character, every villain has already come and gone on Smallville. Including Supergirl. Right. Including Supergirl, um, including uh, Lex Luthor, who is coming soon. 
Um, his father, his mother, his sister, they've all been on Smallville. And we're seeing different versions of them on, on Supergirl now. So um, it cannot be. So they played the song because it was a nice nod to Smallville. However, you are not the only person that was confused by hearing that song when we opened up on that, you know, right. aerial shot of Smallville. We close up on the farm. Hey, look, the farm looks exactly the same. Well, it's a parallel earth, so I can buy that. But to avoid the confusion that you and many other people had, all it would have taken is to have a radio on the side of the truck playing Save Me by Remy Zero. And, and then they, have... they exist in more than one universe. I find that hard to believe. So. <laughs> just just have Clark reach over and turn the music down on the radio. So what and, is this awful song? And that song just kind of gets a little bit quieter, and then you move on with the scene, and that's it. If they are, if the characters are listening to it, then it becomes a part of the scene, and and, and it's a fun nod. But if it's music that we as the audience are the only ones that hear it. Well, then it starts to make people question, what is this trying to say? Are they sending us a message with this music? And I knew it was like all geeky in the weed stuff. Like I I, I kind of got that. No, it's not the same universe. But it, it was a nice nod. And the fact is, I haven't watched Supergirl in a few seasons since the middle of season two, I think, or the end of season two. So I was just wondering if they had amped it up to conflate it with the Smallville universe in the time that I hadn't been watching. That's all. Nope, not at all. Yeah, okay. Though there were, excuse me, there were other people who thought that they might be pulling the Smallville universe into uh, this group of CW shows because that scene at the beginning on Earth-90 where we see uh, Barry Allen, 90s Flash, approaching the monitor and all those dead superheroes that were lying around, one of them, if you look closely enough, it is uh, Smallville Green Arrow. Oh, really? Yep. You, you can see his uh, his vest and hood, and I think one of his uh, one of his gauntlets uh, as he's slumped over one of the one of the hillsides there. Um, with, with with the greens that they use in that costume, it was it was unmistakable. So I think that was just another clever little wink. Hey, you recognize this guy? I don't think they're trying to say that Smallville and 90s Flash were on the same earth. But they just wanted people to recognize that outfit and remind them, hey, this was a CW show. We can do whatever we want. Right. And I think um, Wally showed up in Smallville, too. Um, Smallville, it was. Oh, no, it was Bart. That's right. It was Bart. Yeah. Impulse. And we haven't seen him on on CW either. So again, they can, they can do whatever I think if they, if they wanted, yeah, if they wanted to try to pull basically anyone from Smallville into next year's crossover, I think they could pull it off. And I think that people would love it. Yeah. I'd just love to see Tom Welling back. I mean, that's my mark of a Superman. I just, I Superman, Superman, he's fine. But if I like Clark, and mm-hmm. I find myself drawn to Clark as a character ten times more than I ever am to Kal El. Yeah, and that's you know Tom Welling was. I, I just thought he fit the role very nicely, even though they made him mope a lot and stuff. So it would be nice to see him reprise his Clark, if not his Blur. 
Yeah. Yeah. He he had about what two minutes as Superman at the end of that series. Not even. Um, <laughs> not even. You didn't even see him. There was CG. And it was a tiny, teeny CG shot of a red and blue suit hovering over the planet that suddenly turned into a splash panel of a comic book that Chloe's son is inexplicably reading. And then (laughs) at the very, very end, he's at the planet and he opens up his shirt and it's the suit from Superman Returns. Yeah. 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 Very clearly Brandon Routh's uh, uh, S-Shield. So the no flights, no tights thing really, you know – really held true right to the very end because you never really did see that version of Clark transform to Superman. Mm-hmm. Until you start reading the comics that were set after that series. Which I haven't. <laughs> I've read some. They are well, they're Superman comics. What, what can you say? <laughs> <laughs> that they That's literally what they are. They take place after Smallville. He's become Superman. They're Superman comics. Um, so Aside from 90s Flash and not getting as much of him as, as I wanted to see, I think they could make an entire uh, episode, an entire crossover, just revisiting the Earth that 90s Flash came from. Uh, you know, revisit that, that nice, uh, you know, neon, noirish uh, aesthetic that they, that they built uh, for, for that series. And see how it interacts with this, with the the style from today. I would love to see that, but we didn't get that in this crossover because he came and gone, came and went in an instant. Now, someone who stuck around a little bit longer was someone else that they have been plugging for almost a year to show up in this crossover. Everyone was expecting this crossover. Was, I think maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of people expect expected the crossover. I'm trying to talk too fast now to center around this character. And that would of course be the character of Batwoman. Oh yeah. She was kind of badly in it. Yeah. Richard, what are your thoughts on Batwoman in, in this crossover? Fairly just there for the sake of having another superhero there. I I don't, what series is she going to be in? Supergirl. The, no, there are rumors that they are developing a Batwoman series. They're no, they're, developing they're a not rumors. They're, they're they're doing it, and she was cast as. I think it, this was sort of the the intro to that character. Right. Do you okay. think you think that episode was a backdoor pilot for her? No, it wasn't a backdoor pilot. I think they're committed to doing a back a Batwoman series, and she was cast about six or eight months ago. All right. So just, I don't think it was just for the crossover. They're they're developing a, a Batwoman series. Okay. So just and, an, uh, an introduction before her, her yes, real series premiere. And and apparently it's set in the Flowerverse because one of the best things about this was the nod that Ollie got to sort of turn the tables and say about Batman what everybody always says about Green Arrow. The guy's not original. I was the original vigilante, you know, and it's and one of the greatest lines I thought it was a nice way to explain away. Well, why haven't we heard about the Batman? All of a sudden, he's a, he's a thing. And Ollie's saying he's just a myth. And mm-hmm. look, Gotham is so far gone. That's why nobody talks about it. It's just it's it, the city's a lost cause. Yeah. And and I kind of liked that part of it, too. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that they gave at least some explanation for an absence of Batman, that being, you know, he, he left a couple of years ago. No one knows where he went, which is better than saying, yeah, he's been operating this whole time, but the bigger 
Arrow and Flash get in scope, it would be hard to miss someone who is a vigilante on the scale of Batman. Mm. But if he's been gone for several years and Gotham is just, you know, crumbling to, to pieces, then it's more understandable that we haven't seen him in the past couple of years. Uh, I think I remember reading once upon a time that the producers originally, you know, seven, eight years ago, wanted to make a Batman television series to air on the CW, uh, an early Batman rather like they did with Smallville. They wanted to do the same thing with the character of Batman, but they couldn't get the rights and they ended up deciding to do green arrow instead because he was a non superpowered hero who just trained himself really well. And he had uh, grit and skill and he used that against the criminals. Uh, it was their close enough to Batman, Batman show. So for, for Oliver to turn around and say, I was the first vigilante uh, added an extra layer of, of comedy on that. I thought, but without Batman, we need someone looking after Gotham and it's, Ruby Rose as Batwoman, who doesn't really do well with a secret identity, considering the fact that her secret identity of Kate Kane is exactly the same as Batwoman, just not wearing the costume. But she's got that bit of red hair on the hat, so... Oh, totally different. <laughs> totally different there. <laughs> I had no idea who she was in, in you know, that, that flowing wig. She, I, wasn't that Yvonne Craig? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I wasn't terribly pleased with the, the differentiation between, uh, uh, vigilante character and, uh, civilian alter ego. They, they seemed very samey to me. Uh, on top of that, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of logic holes. Like for example, uh, so I didn't come up with this. I read this on Twitter somewhere, but, uh, Supergirl is from an entirely different earth. So why is it that Batman, that Batwoman not only acts as though she is completely unsurprised by this superpowered alien flying around the city, but she also immediately knows exactly who she is. And they're acting like they're ready to be the world's finest uh, team up when Batwoman has never heard of Supergirl before. Uh, fan service. And yeah. laying laying the groundwork for the next crossover. Yeah, I I honestly believe that you know. Well, be, before we move on to next crossover, does anyone have anything else to say about Batwoman? Not really. I mean, I kind of do, but it it has to do with my my complete disinterest in Batman in general. Mm. I never really got the character. I never really liked the character. And the fact that we once again have to go to the freaking, I'm going to say, go back to the Batman well again. Do we need more <laughs> Batman in our lives? No. <laughs> no. And it's just like they can't not do it. And it's, uh, it's, it annoys me just the amount of attention that Batman gets. And I, I just, I've always thought it was a dumb character. I never understood the appeal and the fact that he is by far the most popular DC or the most successful anyway, DC commercial character baffles me to this day. I don't get the appeal. 
So to bring it back and not even to have it as the Batman, but an alternate weird version of Batman where, all right, it's not quite as bad as like the early CW verse where they didn't even want to cop to the, the names of the superheroes. You never heard Clark called Superman in Smallville. You never heard um, Ollie called Green Arrow until what, the fifth season? And then when Flash came on, they embraced it all because I think that the Marvel movies changed the paradigm. Mm -hmm. So now the bright superheroes and all, you know, embracing that entire lunacy was in. And CW followed suit. But it seemed like by taking Kate Kane, it's like, okay, I get it. Maybe it's a rights thing. Maybe they can't use Batman because he's tied up in too many, you know, other projects specifically the, the justice league movies and that whole thing. But and and he, what, he also whatever just, the reason, if you're going to do Batman light, then why do Batman? If mm-hmm. you're going to just introduce us to another weird version of Gotham city with Batwoman, I, I, I just don't see the point. And that's just my bat bias coming out. And if you were to introduce Batman on arrow, you got to be careful because if at any point, in that episode, Batman is cooler than Green Arrow. Everyone's going to start wishing that they had done Batman in the first place. I guess. I mean, I just, I just, anytime I hear Batman, I start glazing over. I just lose. <laughs> so, you know, he just showed up in the season finale of Titans on the DC Universe uh, streaming service. I haven't seen it. What do you pay for that? <laughs> is it worth it? <laughs> I. I, I do not pay for it. Well, no, I'm just saying he showed up on the season finale because it's in the promo stuff. I haven't seen right. an episode of it. <laughs> I've seen no uh, Titans, no Young Justice. I'm not watch, not going to be watching Doom Patrol. Nothing from that streaming service has come across my screen. I have too much stuff to watch. Um, all right, so we've dispensed with Batwoman. And we made one mention of the of the next crossover, so let's move on to that. And uh, I I feel like there's a lot of elements of this crossover that we have not really touched upon, but there's I, there's a lot of stuff to cover. I'm sure there are other podcasts that have talked about things that we haven't. Uh, so I feel okay just giving them a skip. But coming up next year, they have already announced at the end of this crossover. They said what they're doing next year. We are going to have Crisis on Infinite Earths as the 2019 crossover. Who thinks that's good idea, bad idea? What are your what are your impressions, uh, Richard? What do you think about about that being the next crossover? Well, I have absolutely no idea what it is, so I I don't really have an opinion. I'm afraid. Why did I ask you to be on this show? I don't know. <laughs> I think as an outsider, I, I, I never read Crisis, and I've always meant to, but the thing about Crisis is DC's continuity got so big and so unwieldy and just so incongruous that they wanted to reset. And it was one of the first, if not the first, um, major resets done by a comic book company. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they took all of the nine billion Earths that they had in the continuity that just kept on overlapping and contradicting and crushed it down to just one universe. 
so that none of that stuff ever existed. And they tried to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. But of course, comic book fans are worse than Star Trek fans. So that nothing goes away without it ever coming back because bitch, 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 bitch. And God forbid Hal Jordan isn't the stodgy, boring Green Lantern. God forbid Kyle Rayner has a chance to shine. That's just my own two cents. Anyway, um, <laughs> so for them to bring in Crisis, though, okay, how much of this this multiverse are they ever going to really be able to show? Are they going to bring in Ultraman? Are they going to bring in, you know, like the evil Superman? What, what? I'm intrigued because I want to know how they do it. And even probably more interested to see how they screw it up and can you screw it up can you screw up something like that because it's such a broad concept yet they screwed up in elseworld so right i there are absolutely ways to screw it up it's just gonna be a question of whether or not they they find them or if they pull it off well um i think if absolutely nothing else this is going to be how they dispense with the need to jump over to a different earth once a year to pick up Supergirl and bring her in, uh, bring her into the crossover. Uh, they are going to take Supergirl's earth and earth one with flash and green arrow, um, earth two, where we got, uh, excuse me, where we got black siren from and where Jesse quick and, uh, Harry Wells are now, uh, and all the other Earths that we've seen. And this is how they're going to, jam them all together and they will rewrite whatever continuity and backstory they have to in order to make it fit. But, but why won't... would why would they do that? Because then they limit the kinds of stories they can tell. Well, I'm certain that at the same time that they condense things onto one planet, onto one Earth, they will still find a way to say, but there are other Earths out there. So they can still they can still just absolutely drive Rick Tatro crazy with <laughs> alternate Earths because he hates alternate Earths. There's nothing that, that that doesn't drive Rick Tatro crazy. <laughs> uh, if I've learned anything from listening to Rick Tatro, anyway. they will. You, you you know what what I think is is actually more likely instead of taking all of the Earths and squeezing them into one, they will at at the very least over the course of the story they are going to take Supergirl's Earth thirty eight. And Arrow and Flash is Earth One, and bring them together. I still so, think it's ridiculous that Supergirl would call her Earth Earth Thirty Eight. The best line on the Flash ever was when um, Wells came over, and they kept on saying Earth Two, and he said, well, "You know that you're Earth Two, right?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just anybody from whatever Earth they're going to think they're Earth One. It's just it's so stupid. Oh yeah, I'm from Earth Ninety. Well. How how do you know that? <laughs> yeah, then that's that is a concession that they quietly made uh, a while after they introduced the concept of other Earths. Is that people from other Earths just happen to know their Earth number, and they didn't take a whole lot of time to explain it. They just basically said, "Go with it." We we don't have the time to write in an explanation. We're just going to make this make this the way it is. Um. But they 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 have to consolidate the two. They have to bring Supergirl onto the same Earth as Green Arrow and the Flash. Um, and that wait, is wait, 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 I, I'm going to argue with you there. Why? Why do they have to? Really? Mm, I suppose <laughs> I don't you want really, them to. Or? I suppose I don't really have a great answer for that. I it it doesn't. 
it doesn't affect me necessarily one way or the other. I don't have a strong desire for them to do it, nor do I have a strong desire for them to keep them separate. I just think that if for no other reason, the I'm sure that there are times when the writers would have liked to either reference or bring in Supergirl for a quick appearance, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle of a of a Flash season. Or have the Flash jump over to National City for five minutes in an episode of Supergirl and then be gone again. But in order to do that, they need to, you know, breach one of them from one Earth to another and then explain the situation. And they have to do that every time that they're going to interact. If they put them on the same planet, then their interactions can be quicker and more natural and just, you know, boom, boom, get it done and, and get them back to where they belong. I think that they're going to take advantage of next year's crisis crossover to make it a little easier for these characters to cross over with each other. It also makes me wonder if they're going to fold black lightning into the larger CW universe with this crossover. It makes you wonder why they haven't, why they didn't start with that. Why Black Lightning is in his own universe, mm-hmm. you know, and I haven't seen the show, but by all indications, it's pretty good. The, the the first season is great. I haven't seen any of the second season yet. Um, I've just other things have been prioritized over it, but uh, I, I will be watching it. And from what I've heard, the second season is doing very well. Also, I wonder if. They wanted to make sure that they could focus on their own story and tell it as well as they possibly could without having to acknowledge any of the other CW characters. That Yeah, that probably – that sounds like it's on the money. But maybe if they've – if they can get two seasons under their belt of being independent, then maybe the writers and, and showrunners will feel a little more comfortable introducing him to the rest of the, of the CW uh, continuity. I'm not sure. Um, but does anyone have predictions, uh, uh, Richard, let's start with you predictions on how they're going to, uh, how they're going to build this crossover next year. Um, do you think it's going to be again, just one story tearing down the barriers between the, the series and just tell one story over X amount of nights? I hope what so. series do you th- what series do you think they're going to pull into the crossover, etc.? I hope they do that. I hope they don't pull any more in because I really don't like any of the others. I'm so miserable about it. It's unbelievable. It, it's honestly, I'm just still caught up in. I don't want to watch Supergirl. Uh, <laughs> so if they don't add any more in, I'm fine with that. Um, I also I'm not interested in any of the others. I'm a really bad fan to talk about this. I think. Uh, I hope they do another big episode like big thing again because essentially then you're making a movie and it, it it's better to mm-hmm. put together and it's better for people that don't necessarily like all the extra stuff mm-hmm. um so i i in short have no idea what they're gonna do <laughs> i'm so rubbish <laughs> at this i'm so sorry um uh chris do you have predictions well, I mean, if they're going with Crisis, what was the denouement of Crisis? What was the one lasting thing of Crisis up until about two, three years ago, or maybe four or five years ago? It was the death of Barry Allen. And? So are they going to kill Grant Gustin? Is he going to stay dead like he did in the comics for decades? 
you know, he's not the only one that died in in crisis. Well, I but he was the only one where it was permanent, wasn't he? Uh, no. Well, I mean, um, it, it was it was more or less permanent for a while, but eventually they brought Barry Allen back. Yeah, and because some, again, because comic fans can't live without you know the Silver Age for yeah. some reason. But but the, the, there is someone else that died in Crisis who stayed dead for quite a while. At least that iteration stayed dead for quite a while. That I, would be, I don't. That would who, be Supergirl. Oh, did she? Okay, yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, not being very versed in Supergirl. Um, are they going to kill the most popular DC CW character? Which I I gotta think it's Grant Gustin. I, I I don't see them doing it, and if they do it, I don't see it lasting very long. I see a reset button somewhere in the future. But when you think about it, Flash has been building up to Crisis since season one, ever mm-hmm. since they found the Time Vault. Yeah. So it's been coming for years. And the fact that they're finally doing it, I guess they feel like they're in a position where they have enough characters lined up where they can make it a, a multi-universe spanning event. So it's good that they sort of built that into it before they, they, they pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. But I don't see the landscape of the CWDC universe being radically altered in the wake of crisis. Anyway, not in any permanent um, fashion. What... <sighs> What Richard said, I think, is why I love the crossover events in 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 general, though. I don't like watching Arrow because it's in a rut, but I love Stephen Amell as Ollie. Mm-hmm. I I adore, adore Melissa Benoist as as Kara and as Supergirl. And I just wish that Supergirl were watchable. But, you know, they stake their claim with the 14 to 16 year old girl market and that's the kind of stories they tell, and I get it, and that's fine. They're not making that show for me. They're making that show for younger people and trying to engage a different audience. But that it, it disappoints me that I don't get to see Taylor Hochin as Superman on a regular basis because I really like him, that I don't get to see Melissa play Kara because I, I every time she's on screen, I smile. So to bring those characters into the stuff that I actually do like, which is the Barry stuff and, you know, to bring Ollie back is just Ollie without all the stupid Ollie baggage. That's a little bit of a thrill. So I hope that Crisis has a lot more of that that standalone feel to it where you just get to enjoy the characters for who they are and not for the drama that you have to tediously wade through when you're watching their shows. Yeah, all, all the all the stuff that surrounds them in their individual stories. If yes. You, if you pull them out of the of their week to week and put them in a story that stands all by itself, mm-hmm. <clears throat> then you can see the characters shine unobstructed by everything that's built up around them. Yeah, and I think that's also uh, you know why when I was collecting comic books, aside from reading Green Lantern, um, my favorite book was JLA because you got to see the characters interact by themselves as characters. It's almost like watching Super Friends when you were growing up. I, I don't necessarily care about Superman in Metropolis with Lois. I don't care about, you know, Batman in Gotham with all of his nine billion villains. But I do enjoy seeing Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, you know, Green Lantern, Flash all working together. And that was a standout for me when I was really into comics. So this evokes that feeling that I used to get when I read those. Now, here's one thing that I hope that the crisis does. Let's bring in Green Lantern, finally. 
they they alluded to the fact that on Earth ninety, Diggle was Green Lantern. Yes, they did. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So I just you know if you're going to bring in Green Lantern, they've been talking. You know, they talk about Green Lantern stuff a lot on Flash. <laughs> they always have nods and mentions. But which Green Lantern? There are a thousand of them. So, like, for my money, I would want to see Kyle, but because I like Kyle. Right. I, I, I fear that they're going to bring in Hal or Jon Stewart because Hal is the traditional Green Lantern and Jon Stewart seems to be what is in the popular zeitgeist right now because he was in the cartoons and, you know, he's a lot to a lot of people. He's their Green Lantern. So I know I'm in the minority with, with my Kyle love, but if they could do a decent Green Lantern, I think that would be the best upshot of doing a crisis yeah even if it's just a guest appearance it doesn't have to lead to you know an ongoing or recurring character or his own series just to see them imagine if they use this as a launching point for a green lantern core series so you could get like a whole giant space opera with multiple green lanterns and i think that would be pretty cool too yeah of course if they did it right you know yeah if they could pull it off i think that would work out really well now, I have a prediction of a way that Crisis on Infinite Earths could, in fact, change the entire landscape of the CW universe. And that is by letting fans believe that it's at least possible that Crisis on Infinite Earths, the, 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 the crossover, will unfold the way the comic books did insofar as the Flash dies and Supergirl dies. That's what happened. Spoilers. That's what happened in the comic from decades ago. Deal with it. (laughs) Now, people are going to expect that's not going to happen on the show. They think that no one's going to die. But what we can do is make it seem as though Supergirl and Flash are going to die. They hinted at that in Elseworlds. And they can keep hinting at that when we get to the next crossover. Until the point that the deal that Oliver made with the monitor comes back and Oliver has to give his life to save Kara and Barry and to save the infinite earths and to stop the crisis. And the reason that I can believe that's possible is because right now Arrow is in their seventh season. Stephen Amell's contract with the CW was for seven seasons. So you think this could be a way to end arrow for, for once and for all, I think a a series finale kind of, kind of deal. I think this could be a way to, if, if they decide not to renew the series or at least, you know, bring it back for part of the season, then, then fine. But knowing the CW, they might try to continue the show without Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen. And I think it could be done. You could have someone else step into the role of Green Arrow. There are plenty of – there's no shortage of archers on that show. Mm. You could even call it – instead of Arrow, call it – change the name of the series. Call it Team Arrow and have Diggle become the new Green Arrow, bring uh, Colton Haynes and uh, Willa Holland back as Arsenal and Speedy. This new Green Arrow that's showing up in the current season, which you guys don't watch so you don't know that uh, they're – Anyone who's watching Arrow, but you're not completely caught up, possible spoilers. Uh, someone else has shown up as a mysterious Green Arrow in, in uh, Star City. And it was just revealed in the episode before Elseworlds 
to be a woman that we've never seen before. But at the end of the episode, we see her standing over the grave of Robert Queen and calling him dad. So So, Ollie has a sister? uh, Apparently Oliver has another illegitimate half-sister. And Arrow just keeps going back to the same well. <laughs> yeah, see, why? That. Why not if, just bring Thea back? If they decide to hang on to her as as a as an ongoing character, then she could be another archer. There, they could have Diggle and Speedy and Arsenal. There's four archers right there. Team Arrow. There's your new show. Is a team of archers or have Diggle step up and become the Green Arrow, and then you have Wild Dog and Mr. Terrific and Black Canary. These are all characters that have been around for several seasons. It can be Arrow and the Outsiders. There's another comic book reference. It has comic pedigree. You can continue with that. There are several ways that you can continue the show without Stephen Amell. You don't need him to do it. But if they want to cancel Arrow, they can do that as well. It would be easier to renew the series for one more year and give us the crossover in a different way. What they've been doing for the past what, four or five years is the crossover happens in December, and then they take a break for the midseason. I think they need to do a Defenders for this next crossover, especially if it's Crisis. It's, it, it needs to be huge. This has to be a big deal. You can't just squeeze it into three episodes and blast through it. Because you don't have time to really unfold the story the way it needs to be told. You can't take your time with the character moments and the tension building. All these series have between 21 and 23 episodes. With the exception of Legends, they tend to be a little bit shorter. But all these shows have plenty of space. You could carve two episodes out of the season order for each of them. Uh, cut down Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, bring them all down to 20 episodes in their regular season. That's more than enough. Legends, bring them down to 14 episodes for their season. That's two out of their rotation as well. That gives you eight episodes left over total from all four of these series. You put the Crisis crossover event as an eight-night or eight-week miniseries that airs after all the seasons have already aired their finales. That way you can write the whole crisis story without needing to figure out how it fits into the ongoing season storyline of all these other shows. And if they want to kill any characters, you don't have to figure out how to explain their absence for the second half of their own season. You can kill off characters, you can change reality, you can blend Earths together between seasons when nothing else is happening. So when you start the next season, you already have the effects of the crossover in place and you can just start. Yeah, I mean, that's, that'd be a logical way to do it, but how often do they do things logically? <sighs> true enough, true enough. Yeah. But it would it would be the best way. If, if Stephen Amell is looking to get out, if they can convince him to stick around for one more full season and then kill him in a crossover after his eighth year, then they can bring Arrow back for season nine with a new lead and a new direction. 
I guess. I, you know, that's that's as good of an idea that I've heard, you know. And it would be nice if they actually did do something with that kind of scope, that kind of vision, and honestly with that kind of planning. It's just I, I feel like, you know, when you're in a writer's room on a TV show, it's hard enough to break story for the entire season and to fill all the episodes and, and get everything in that you want to get in without mm-hmm. having to worry about coordinating with the writing staff of at this point what four other shows if Batgirl is or Batwoman is a series you have the Supergirl staff you have the Batwoman staff you have the Flash staff you have the Arrow staff and now you have the Legend staff you're going to bring everybody in together where does that directive come from who's overseeing it who's the godfather of it it better not be freaking you know uh Mark Miller or uh, uh why am i blanking on his name you mean uh, Mark Guggenheim? Uh, Mark, who's the other one that ruined the DCEU? Um, I, I, I blanked out his name because he's just so bad. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the you, you mean you mean the movies? Who ruined yeah, the movies? Yeah. Zack Snyder. Thank you, Zack mm. Snyder. Yeah. So I mean, we'd, I, I, I think it could be very good, but it could also be very, very bad. And that's just really me waffling and saying absolute. <laughs> so if you want to cut that, that's fine. <laughs> Okay, one hour twenty. Another censor. Okay, <laughs> I'm letting right. I'm letting Sean know where he's gonna have to put in bleeps. <laughs> right, Richard. How about this? If they did a uh, an eight episode miniseries between the seasons, would you watch them all? Yeah, I'd watch that. Excellent. Yeah. Why not? So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make the pitch on on Twitter. If you guys see the tweet, make sure to retweet it and tag uh uh. Tag the CW so they know how how it should be done. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is the TV landscape has changed so much in the last few years, especially with the Netflix model, that people are used to binging shows. So you could almost get like a binge watching experience if these shows were on back to back. So like this story to be continued in the next episode of Arrow and any show that might have less ratings or, or, you know, lackluster ratings compared to the more popular ones would well, they'd all get a boost mm-hmm. because if you start it with the flash which obviously they're going to do because i think it's their most popular show and then it's almost like those comic books you used to buy where you'd be reading green lantern and say this this continued in superboy number 19 and i was like well what the, what i have to go by superboy now i don't i don't read superboy but if if you're on the couch and arrow is coming up next and it's just a continuation of what you've been watching yeah, that makes great sense. And then they'll say, well, there's a cliffhanger and you'll be able to see the rest of it tomorrow night or, or whatever on Legends or Batwoman or mm-hmm. – yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's something that they got right in uh, – it was either Invasion or uh, Crisis on Earth X. They might have done this with both where the opening title sequence for every installment in in the crossover was not – the individual show. It was just, here's, here's a title card for crisis on earth X part, whatever. And then they moved on to the show. Um, I arrow probably got a bit more focus on that one. Uh, but other wait, that, that was for invasion. So crisis on earth X. Yeah. Um, it was just an earth X title card. If it was an episode of The Flash, they didn't say so. They just said Earth X part part two or whatever. And that made it less of 
the individual series putting an episode each and just building one story instead, like Elseworlds, mm-hmm. but e- even more so. I think they would definitely benefit if they made Crisis on Infinite Earths its own series instead of all the series pitching in for it. Yeah, just logistically, that might be tough. Yeah. But fingers crossed. I, I know a lot of people didn't love Defenders, but I think it definitely had a lot of good stuff going going for it, um, including the fact that it was it was a ready-made series all on its own. And if you didn't watch Luke Cage or if you didn't watch Jessica Jones, you were still okay because they filled in enough of the gaps with everyone else that you didn't need to watch everything. Yeah, I still haven't seen The Defender, so I, I don't know if that's a good go-to or not. I know that um, if it was of um, the quality of, say, Jessica Jones, then it was probably pretty good. But from everything I heard about Iron Fist, mm, yeah, yeah, it can go so bad too, right? <laughs> yeah, well, m- yeah. most people uh, pointed out, and rightly so, that uh, the weakest part of The Defenders was the fact that not only was Iron Fist in it, but he was a major factor in the, in the story. And that probably was built into it from the inception before Iron Fist aired and flopped. Yes. But you're already committed, so what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> yeah. you've, you, you've, you've sort of hitched your, your wagon to that star. Oh, wait, that, that star just fell out of the sky. Mm-hmm. The, so. the, the character of Iron Fist and the elements from his series that took prominence in Defenders were not something they could go back and change after the fact. Mm-hmm. Once they realized that Iron Fist was not really hitting all the right notes with viewers, there was no way they could go back and and tweak the, the defenders to remove focus from him. They they were locked in. Well, yeah, so I yeah, I don't know. I, I I think the one thing that the CW does have going for it is that all of these series have their own devoted followings, and mm-hmm. none of them maybe maybe legends I don't know, but none of them have been widely or roundly lambasted any more than any other one of them. Yeah, I, they they've all been uh, been flogged at one time or another. Um, Arrow season four was not good. But they have been getting better ever since then. Uh, a lot of people didn't love um, Arrow, I think. Uh, not Arrow, but uh, The Flash. I think the third season of The Flash, people got a little a little sour on it. But, but again, they got over that. Um, they, they, can't, they can't score every season. Yeah, but the thing they, is, so they can. I feel like they can. They have they have the talent in place where they can, and it's just like get out of your dumb ruts, get out of this. It's the lazy writing that that really does all of these shows in. It's it all gets very samey samey, and they fall back on a lot of the same kind of stuff to constitute the drama that they feel they need but, instead but of doing something bold better. or different. It's all going to get better, Chris, because remember, there's going to be no more secrets. Between <laughs> Can we talk about one more thing? Speaking about things that didn't work when it came yeah. to Elseworlds. What on God's green earth are the trigger twins and where did they get those stupid matching outfits? The trigger twins are actually characters from DC Comics. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they are um, Old West characters 
I think that's what the bandanas were for to give that that nod back to their western roots. But did they uh, have they, to be so ridiculously giant? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It just another. It just seemed like a weird choice to make them non-powered and also so ridiculous. And I guess maybe that was the whoever the professor. What's his name? Dr. Destiny. Yeah, Dr. Destiny. Uh, Again, if you're going to rewrite reality where you're Superman, why not just write them out of that reality? Why do they even still have to exist? Yeah. Why have other superheroes just make yourself the only one? You know, and to make them villains, why make such weak villains if you want to portray yourself as such a strong character? And how is he going to know to make himself Superman when there is no Superman on their Earth? I'm, I'm thinking the book showed him all the realities. That That's the way my headcanon filled that in. N- n- nice cover. That, all that's, right. That's giving them a decent amount of credit. <laughs> also, they just wanted to be able to get, again, Tyler Hutchin, if I'm saying that right, give him some screen time too because why not? If you can get soups in. Yeah. And especially if you're going to have an episode of Supergirl where Supergirl is locked in the refrigerator for the entire episode – and bringing Clark completely, if I were a Supergirl fan, I would be losing my shit because they completely sidelined Supergirl in her own series. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, uh, trust me. Uh, Karen is a uh, Supergirl fan, and she did. Well, I don't know if she's a Supergirl fan because the writers are not doing a good job of Supergirl for the past couple seasons now. But uh, she wants Supergirl to be great and the way that they treated her character in the crossover. Yeah. People who, who want Supergirl to succeed did not love how she was portrayed in Elseworlds. And I can't disagree with them. They, they stick her in, uh, in the pipeline. How is it that uh, the particle accelerator is going to dampen her powers? She doesn't get her powers from dark matter like everyone else on the flash. She gets her powers from being an alien, but apparently she still can't break out of that cell. There's a lot of shade in there, so she can't. She oh, can't access the yellow sun. There you are. That that explains it perfectly. Maybe it's, it's lead lines. <laughs> I don't <laughs> because show. Yeah, it's really. Yeah. So um, it, it seemed to me that if the writers could have gotten away with just doing an Arrow and Flash crossover, they probably would have. But they felt that they had to bring Supergirl in, so they forced her into it. A lot of her scenes in this crossover felt like they were shoehorned. Uh, but they wanted Superman, and they wanted Flash, and they wanted Green Arrow, so they had to bring in Supergirl in order to make it happen. Which I think is disrespectful to the character of Supergirl. If you want Superman around, then just you know bite the bullet and admit you want to give him his own series, and then do so. Well, and the thing is, though, I mean, the rub of it is they're both equally enjoyable to watch on screen. So it might have been nice to watch them working together. That's that's true. Yeah. I do like it when 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 they are on screen together. They they work well as a pair, both as characters and as actors. Yeah. So. Don't you think so, Richard? I do indeed think that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you after we stop uh, recording the actual episode. I'm going to give you 10 minutes just to say whatever you want. We're going to tack that in uh, to the end. Or I'll just sprinkle your statements throughout the show. So it doesn't doesn't sound like Chris and I are just 
I'm really okay, you know. Honestly, don't worry. It's all cool. I'm enjoying listening as well. <laughs> I hope so. If not, it's been a long, long hour. No, or no, two. it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think, uh, although I'm sure that we could, especially Chris and I, could go on for quite a bit more. Um, I think that we've said enough about this crossover for, for this episode, at least. Um, but I'll give it one last chance. Any closing thoughts, anything that we might have missed, uh, real quick. Uh, first, all right, Chris first. Well, my closing thoughts, uh, I'll just reiterate. I think all the characters are there. I think all the actors are likable as those characters. And if they can just come up with some decent writing that breaks some of the CW molds, I'm looking really uh, forward to Crisis. Do I have high hopes? Eh, middling hopes. And if anything, I like the fact that they introduced the idea of an Elseworlds. I just hope that if they do Elseworlds again, they actually do an Elseworlds. And take it completely out of continuity and give us something that's gonzo, just batshit crazy. Like the musical episode, the the musical crossover episode with Flash and Supergirl, that could have been considered an Elseworlds because it was so it, it was so outside of the norm. Yeah. You could and almost call it an Elseworlds. You've just reminded me that is the Flash episode I haven't seen. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's all right. <laughs> I don't know why people hate on musicals so much. Uh, I, I thought it was it, it was a perfectly lovely episode. And you get to see Cisco and Malcolm Merlin uh, and they're singing. Professor Stein from Legends, he's on there and he sings. Uh, Jesse L. Martin, who plays uh, Joe West, is an amazing singer. Isn't he at, like actually a singer, though? Oh, yeah. He uh, originated the role of Collins in the, the Broadway musical rent right okay another thing rick hates he does he said that <laughs> yeah. on, on another thing the other week i i heard him and it made me sad because i remember when that show opened and i got the soundtrack on cd and i listened to it a lot i can sing all the songs i don't think i've ever heard a single one. Oh well it's good you should try it Anyway, try that musical episode. It's not as bad as you think. Um, they shoehorn in some annoying love story aspects, but, you know, you go with it. Okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard, final thoughts on the Elseworlds crossover? Anything you got? Yeah, we're all right. Um, probably give it a watch if you like all that sort of thing. It'll be hideous if you don't. Um, so you, you'll know what to watch and what not to watch in terms of that sort of thing. I hope they do another one that's as good. I really do. We'll see what they do with the, their little TV universe. I, I've begun to start to worry that Flash might not be long for this world, uh, mainly because of that aforementioned lazy writing and it's all just, oh, who are we fighting this season? Blah, 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 and all that sort of thing. So we'll see what happens. I have no idea television's a fickle business but they'll keep me watching as long as it's easy to download and there's nothing else on <laughs> glowing praise indeed sir yeah <laughs> all right i think that is going to do it for our discussion of the elseworlds crossover on the cw hopefully you guys enjoyed it and i promise that i'm 
not taking Sean's chair. He will be back. You won't have to deal with just us. Um, well, we didn't get John Irons on this episode. He sends his regards and his regrets. Uh, sorry to you listeners. He'll be back as well. And uh, before we go, I will share Sean Ray's thoughts on the Elseworlds crossover once I bring them up on my phone. Here we go. What Sean has to say about the crossover. Uh, that overall, I enjoyed the crossover. I didn't like that the black-clad Superman was not actually Superman. That was kind of weird, but the plot made it make sense. And I hated that we were teased with the return of the 90s Flash only to have him thrown away before he actually got to do anything. I laughed a lot when they played the Smallville theme, and I almost thought they were going to pull Tom Welling in for some reason. He he, he was not alone. I still think they might do that for, for next year's crossover. We'll see. I'm Man pulling service, for you, Sean. It, I got, it knows I, no bounds, right? So, yeah, I got my... I got my fingers crossed for you, Sean, in that bit of fan service. Um, so before we sign off, uh, Christopher, Richard, uh, tell people where they can find you and, and what you do on the Internet. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I am a host of the Quantum Leap podcast. You can find our show at quantumleappodcast.com. We're the free Quantum Leap podcast, just so there's no confusion. So you can... <laughs> You can get right on. Uh, we are now it. too. We are now too. Oh yeah. Oh great. I can't wait to subscribe. Um, <laughs> well, it's, so it's, I so I know what the competition is. It's it's ad supported. So technically, I like to think we take a little piece of your soul. Every and time. that's fine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I get it. I get it every time I listen to the movie quiz too. So um, I'm used to it now. You've you, you've you've got bits of my soul. It's gonna take a little while before you get it all. But anyway, that's um, quantum leap podcast.com you can also find my personal stuff on my website at theflipside.com that's where i do like audio bits that appear on a science fiction radio show here on long island um they come out very sporadically these days because i'm very busy but if you want to hear me geek out over star trek or books or just anything that's on my mind you can find that there it's d-e-f-l-i-p-s-i-d-e.com richard well, I do all the Simply Syndicated stuff that you find at simplysyndicated.com, including a Quantum Leap show with Scott and myself called Remote Patrol Oh Boy. Uh, we also have Simply Syndicated Gaming News, which comes out every weekend. We have uh, Simply Syndicated Movie Quiz. Uh, we need to think up some better names of shows. Now I'm saying them all out in a row like that. And there's other stuff as well. There's a Doctor Who show. There's Batman Original Series show that I never talk about for some reason, but there is one. There's Atomic Trivia War 9000. There's loads of stuff, and it's all on the web at simplysyndicated.com. Yeah. And if anyone has any interest in what I do outside of this show, I'm an occasional contributor to various shows on the Cosmic Potato Network, including Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, Captain Game Show. And one of these days, I got my sights set on World War G. Just saying. Little guest spot, little appearance. Yeah, that tray is gunning for you. <laughs> um, and also, don't forget, as Richard said, the uh, Remote Patrol, oh boy, Quantum Leap podcast on Simply Syndicated. I've also done several other shows on the Simply Syndicated network. If you go and listen to some of the back catalog, you might end up stumbling across me here or there. So you've been warned. Yeah, we have Other than that, literally millions of hours of podcasts to listen to. <laughs> It's 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 quite a lot. It what is. are we in year fourteen, year fifteen? 
14. 14 wow. years. Something like That's that. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Outside of podcasting, um, I try to say uh, witty and clever things on Twitter, usually regarding Star Trek, on my personal Twitter account that is uh, twitter.com slash Fleet Admiral UFP, that's UFP as in United Federation of Planets. Uh, or if you want to see some of my professional stuff, I have a separate Twitter account just for the artwork that I do, primarily Photoshop-based. I'm available for commissions to do uh, social media avatars or banners, posters, book covers. Uh, if you have something that needs a visual element designed, come to me. We'll see if we can work something out, and you can find that at... Planet Rise, P L A N E T R I S E. That's on Twitter. Or you can visit my website at www.planetrisecreative.com. So, one last time filling in for Sean Ray, this is Scott Madison with Christopher DeFilippis. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. And Richard Smith, thank you so much. Thank you. I also had and fun. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I was thrilled to talk with both of you guys. I love doing it every single time. And for all you listeners out there, tune in next time on a future episode of Cosmic Potato where you might hear John say, My kids are actually a little young for the birds and the bees conversation, but I know it's going to come someday. Um, I'm just going to tell them that it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can contact us by email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for joining us for Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast.